millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Midlife and crisis are two words that almost always go together. But Chip Conley doesn't see it that way. He says midlife is a challenge, not a crisis. He's an entrepreneur, author, and former head of global hospitality for Airbnb. He says our 40s, 50s, and 60s are a time to reimagine and repurpose our lives. That's what he did in his mid-40s when he was hit with a cascade of challenges all at once. He emerged on the other side with new wisdom about ringing the best out of this stage of life, which he shares in his book, Learning to Love Midlife, 12 Reasons Why Life Gets Better With Age. And Chip Conley joins me now. Hi. Hey, Jesse. Great, great to be with you. Yeah, lovely to chat to you. Is the idea of midlife as an important stage of life a, a new idea? Well, the idea of midlife crisis is a modern idea since 1965, and it was premised on the idea that, uh, you know, a lot. it was focused on mostly on men and the idea that in their mid-40s, they felt sort of irrelevant and they like they wanted to go through adolescence again. So they wanted to get that red sports car and have an affair. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact is that most people don't have that experience. They there is something called the U-curve of happiness, which is a global social science survey that shows that people's life satisfaction does actually bottom out around 45 to 50, but that actually with each decade after that, you get happier. Huh. So yes, there is a midlife sort of, I wouldn't call it a crisis, but maybe it's a, a challenge. Um, but on the other side of it, it's the, like the midlife chrysalis. You actually come out of this challenge, this chrysalis as a butterfly. Uh, ready to flap your wings and look like a colorful, you know, yeah. a colorful, uh, you know, flying little creature. Um, so uh, the research we did for this book, Learning to Love Midlife, came from all kinds of uh, researchers who helped us to see that uh, midlife is less of a crisis and more of a crossroads where you actually have to let go of some things in order to get to the next stage. You define midlife as age 35 to about 75, and that era didn't... That's a, lo- didn't, that's a long time. <laughs> it is, yeah. Your publishers will be happy. <laughs> but your yeah. your midlife era didn't start out well. What happened? Yeah, in my, in my mid-40s, uh, everything that, that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, my company was having a challenge with the Great Recession. I didn't be, want to be running the company. I started it when I was 26, and... At 47, I just didn't want to do that anymore. And uh, I had a long-term relationship ending. I had a foster son who was an adult. I was going to prison wrongfully. Um, I lost five friends to suicide. Gosh. So everything that could go wrong was going wrong. In fact, one of my five friends who actually took his own life was living in New Zealand, um, sadly. And um, so I then had an NDE. I had a near-death experience where I had an allergic reaction to an antibiotic. and. Gosh. So that's when I woke up and was like, I'm a hotelier and I'm having my hotelier wake up call that I don't, I, I really need to change my life. And so I spent the next two years completely adapting my life, making changes. And 
at age 50, I was starting over again. And I, I felt really good about it. And my 50s were my favorite decade ever. Was part of the issue um, that you were focusing on your resume, focusing on what you do rather than who you are? Yeah, I, I think that what is going on for a lot of people as and and Jesse, you're you're in your early forties or around forty years late old. Late right? forties, unfortunately, yeah, about to turn oh, forty nine this year. Okay, well, hopefully this hopefully the the midlife crisis is behind you. But <laughs> what happens for a lot of people in their forties is disappointment equals expectations minus reality. Let me unpack that for a moment. We build a lot of expectations and hopes in our teens, our 20s, 30s, and our 40s. And it's in our 40s when you can sort of see the future a little bit and say like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to be on the Olympic team. Uh, I'm not going to become the president of New Zealand. I'm not going to become you know, an opera singer. And you, you come face to face with the realities. Mm. Uh, and my friend Brené Brown calls this the midlife unraveling. When you actually start <laughs> to recognize, you have to unravel all of these expectations, let go of some of them. Uh, and we call that at, uh, at the Modern Elder Academy, a, a school that we created, uh, also known as MEA, the midlife, the great midlife edit. When you edit the things that aren't serving you anymore. <laughs> and so what, that's what's going on. Additionally, in your mid to late 40s, you start becoming much more familiar with the fact that your body isn't as good as it used to be in certain ways. And you, you get face-to-face -face with mortality in the form of your parents passing or other people you know in your life passing away. And so, yeah, all, you start to realize, wow, I, I have, you know, maybe as many days ahead of me as I have behind me. And with each passing day, I have fewer days. And so all of that can be challenging, um, but it's also the real opportunity to see that this is the time to make a transformation. <laughs> If we follow your lead and think about being useful rather than youthful, um, that's a good yes. start. Although there's a giant industry working against us, which is the anti-aging industry, right? Yes. You know, the anti-aging industry, is, it, it's like a big anti-aging industrial complex. And they their job is to help us feel badly about how our how we look and how we feel about our aging. And this is particularly true for how that industry tries to help women feel badly. Um, and so I'm a big fan of pro-aging. I was lucky enough to give a TED talk last year, going up on the big stage talking about, you know, we don't need just anti-aging products. We need pro-aging products because huh. Becca Levy at Yale has shown that when people shift their mindset on aging from a negative to a positive, they gain seven and a half years of additional life which is more additional life than if they stop smoking at 50 or they start exercising at 50. So there's a lot of value in creating um, a pro-aging message. And that's what this book is, Learning to Love Midlife, but it's also what mod the Modern Elder Academy is, um, also known as MEA. Yeah, the M Modern Elder Academy. Can you take, take us into that institution? Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I was at Airbnb, I was I joined at age 52 when the average age in the company was 26. Um, my job was to be I know, I know. So they so the the founders who hired me to become their in-house mentor um said, "Chip, you're our modern elder." And I said, "Well, you're making fun of my age. Why? I don't like that." And then they said, "No, Chip, a modern elder is someone who's as curious as they are wise." It's like, "Ooh, I like that. The alchemy of curiosity and wisdom." And so, long story short is um I spent seven and a half years with Airbnb, four years full-time, and then three and a half years part-time, and went away thinking like, wow, we need a place for people in midlife to reimagine and repurpose themselves. 
uh, and to sort of like, like see what's, you know, how to navigate their transitions and feel a greater sense of purpose and, and actually own the wisdom that they've built over time. And so that's how MEA, the Modern Elder Academy came about. And we've had lots of Australians and Kiwis who've flown up to Mexico where our campus is on a beach. Um, and now we have a new campus opening here in Santa Fe, New Mexico in the U.S. Does your philosophy of midlife um, meld with Jane Fonda's? She's got this idea that age is a staircase rather than an arch. Yeah, I would say it's a it's a staircase and it's a circular staircase. <laughs> hmm. And it's, what I mean by that is <clears throat> the reason she calls it a staircase is because the older you are, the higher you've elevated and you're able to see things more clearly. And I think there's some truth to that. But the fact that it's a it's a circular staircase means you get to see in all directions. And um, yeah, I, I, there's no doubt uh, Arthur Brooks in his book From Strength to Strength was able to show that as we get older, while our short-term memory is not as good uh, and our what's called fluid intelligence, our ability to solve problems quickly is not as good. What's really better, and up until our early to mid-70s, is our crystallized intelligence, which is our ability to see holistically and systemically um, and connect the dots. And if you're up on a staircase, you can connect the dots more because you can sort of see the whole landscape better. I'm talking to Chip Conley. His book is called Learning to Love Midlife, 12 Reasons Why Life Gets Better with Age. Uh interested in your thoughts on the debate over President Joe Biden's age. I think he's the uh, eldest U.S. president ever. That's one thing. But yes. also the, the chat about whether that makes him unable to do the job. Um, do you think that's changing perceptions about age in America? You know, it's an interesting one. I, I have two opinions on this. One is I, I don't think that there should be any limits on age. And I think if you're competent and you're doing well, mm. I know people in their mid 80s who are exceptional uh, at what they do, and you would not want to retire them. On the other hand, being president of the United States is maybe the most demanding job on earth, uh, if not, you know, one of the most demanding at least. Uh, and therefore, someone who will be 86 years old when he's finished in office, which is how old he would be at that time. I do worry that that is too taxing because being president of the United States is like living in dog years. You know, when you live in dog years, yeah. it's like every every human year is worth seven dog or every dog years with seven human years. So if you're living in dog years, you age more quickly. And so when you're 81 or 82, aging more quickly is a, is is threatening. Can you tell us about some of the good things about aging, some of the reasons life gets better? I know you've broken it down into five areas in your book. Can you um, give us a, a bit yeah, of a taste five, of each one? Five areas, and there's 12 different reasons. And I'll give you one um, one reason per area. So the first area is physical. Um, one thing that we're very bad at is we don't, we're not very good at longevity literacy, um, understanding how much life we still have ahead of us. So if the average age of someone in New Zealand, uh, if their life expectancy is, let's say, age 78, and you're 65, you might think you only have 13 years left. But the truth is, you actually have a lot more than 13 years left, because if you've gotten to 65, you're probably, you have a 50-50 chance of getting to 90. Um, and if you are in certain socioeconomic groups that actually do even better, you might be even further than that. So the first thing to know is that um, longevity in, in the world is actually working to our favor physically, um, so we're living longer. Um, the second category is emotional, and our emotional intelligence gets better as we age. Our IQ does not, but our EQ does. 
we are more emotionally moderate, meaning we are not so reactive. We don't take things quite so personally. We learn how to get clear on what's important and what's not. So emotionally, we are more adept at handling the circumstances of our lives when we're in our 50s, 60s, or beyond than we were in our 20s or our 30s. Third category is mental, and mental is wisdom. Like, let's just like t- call a spade a spade here. If our painful life lessons are the raw material for our future wisdom, the longer we've been on the planet, the more raw material we have. We have life lessons. Now, I will say that I know people who are 30 who are wiser than people who are 70. And the reason for that is because the 70-year-old is not making sense, not metabolizing or digesting their life experiences in a way that's making them wiser. So you, in order for wisdom to work, you better be actually working your life experience to understand what you've learned along the way. But on average, uh, you know, w- wisdom is something that grows with age. Fourth category is vocational. And one of the beautiful things about vocational is that when you are you know, 45, 55, 65, you sort of realize that you can get off the treadmill that you were on. And when I say that, that I don't necessarily mean you stop working and retire. I just mean that for, for many of us, the treadmill we've been running on has been our parents' treadmill or someone else's treadmill for us. We did, we have been afflicted by something called successism, meaning that someone else's definition of success is telling us how we should live our lives. In midlife and beyond, we learn how to actually let go of someone else's definition of success, get off that treadmill, and maybe pursue something else, a purpose that's more meaningful to us, uh, and maybe even create some time affluence, um, which means that we have more space in our lives. Um, And then finally, the last category is spiritually. And in the spiritual category, there's a guy named Richard Rohr, famous Christian mystic in in, uh, the U.S., um, as well as Carl Jung, the famous psychologist, have said the same thing, which is, The primary operating system for us in the first half of our life is our ego. It helps to individuate us, define who we are, et cetera. And then around midlife, the primary operating system shifts from the ego to the soul. But no one gave us operating instructions, uh, nor helped us to understand that this was coming. And yet for many people in their 50s, um, they start to feel a little bit of a curiosity about life, about the meaning of life, about the purpose of life, about things that are beyond themselves. If they were not religious or spiritual previously, they start to feel a little bit of that. And so that's something that gets better with age is our spiritual curiosity improves with age. So those are five of the 12. But you know, here's the thing, uh, Jesse, we are really clear about what gets worse with age mm-hmm. as humans. But very few of us have ever been introduced to what gets better with age. Um, Heaps of good stuff in there. And just to pick up on wisdom, um, we are in the era of exploding AI. And is this a good time to talk about the difference between knowledge and wisdom? You're a good, you ask good questions, Jesse. I know why you have this job now. (laughs) Um, Yes, that it's a very good time because all of the world's knowledge is on our iPhone in the, that little that little magic stone in our pocket. Um, and with artificial intelligence, it's even more accessible to us. So, so knowledge is sort of commoditized. And what's valuable in life is often what's scarce. And wisdom can be scarce. Wisdom is everything from your creativity and ingenuity um, to your intuition, to your humanity and compassion, um, to your ability to, you know, um, connect with something deeper and bigger than yourself. 
So wisdom is wisdom is a lot more abstract. There's no doubt about that. But I think we are moving into a time where wisdom is going to be ex exceedingly valuable. You know, survival of the wisest, because there's so much going on in the world, and there's so many challenges that knowledge, which is is about accumulating knowledge, wisdom is about distilling down all of the complication down to what's truly essential. And we're in a very complicated era, and therefore distilling all of that 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 noise and all that information, all that knowledge into something that's usable and more more you know bite size is really essential, and that's what wisdom's about. You write that we often look in the mirror and see a stranger. What do you mean by that, and and what is going on when that happens? Well, Jesse, do you look like you did twenty years ago? <laughs> Sadly not, although I don't really notice the change as it's happening, you know. Well, here's the thing that we don't, and we don't notice it in the mirror because we see it every day. We notice it on Facebook. We notice <laughs> it in a photo at a high school reunion. We notice it going to the reunion and noticing the other people there and saying, oh my God, these people look so old. Yeah. Do I look that old? <laughs> um, so yeah, because it sneaks up on us because it's every day we're seeing ourselves. Um, but yeah, for a lot of people... There's a sense that, oh my gosh, do I really look that old? And it's not because you, of what you see in the mirror. Um, it's often because of what you see in a photo. Uh, and for some people, it frightens them because it, you know, if the if the feel if the if the body and and your face and the look your looks are the playing field of life, and that's the only playing field, then it's a losing game as you get older. But um, the playing field of life includes your heart and your soul and your curiosity and your mind and, and your relationships with others. And generally speaking, all those other areas generally get better with age. But your body doesn't necessarily. So the Ten Commandments weren't really for you. you you've created Ten Commitments, um, Ten Commitments of how uh, you live your life. Um, we won't do all ten, but could you share a couple uh, of your favorites? Yeah, and these, and I think it's a great practice for us to sort of say, like, like, what are my commitments and how I live my life? So here's here's a, a, some of mine. I commit to living a life more focused on my eventual eulogy than my current resume. <laughs> That's uh, good. I uh, I show up with a passionate engagement in life because that way people will notice my energy more than my wrinkles. Um. <laughs> I assume best intentions in people unless they've proven untrustworthy. Hmm. Um, and I'll give you one more. Um, I don't chase happiness. I practice gratitude and happiness is the natural result. Huh. I love that. Um, before you go, could you introduce people to the concept of a mentor? I love this. Yeah. When I was at, uh, at Airbnb, I was mentoring many, many, many people in the organization, including the founders. Um, but I often was learning as much from them as they were from me. So I was a mentor and an intern at the same time. So I call that a mentor. Um, when you're mutually mentoring someone, they're teaching you something and you're teaching them something. And in the workplace, we have, you know, four, maybe five generations, uh, in a workplace. And so I think we can learn both from people younger and older than us. You're also keen on the gap year. Yeah, well, I listen, I think uh, both Aussies and, and Kiwis have taught us that it's nice to get out on the road. Um, and because of how far you are away from lots of the world, you can't just sort of take a week-long vacation. 
uh, all the time. You need to take a longer vacation. Mm -hmm. So I think taking a gap year um, in the book, I actually profile in the first chapter an Aussie uh, who came to MEA on her golden gap year uh, around age 50. And she just said, listen, I'm taking a year to have what's called a midlife atrium to sort of imagine (laughs) how I want to consciously curate the rest of my life by having some space to reflect on what's next for me. And because, you know, the momentum of life, especially if you have a lot of kids and a lot of obligations, you need to have some space to occasionally say like, okay, how do I want to curate the rest of my life? And, and you know, you have to have a little privilege to be able to do that. Um, But even you could do it for a half day on a weekend. You could say, I'm going to go for on my own by myself with a journal, and I'm going to spend an afternoon in nature and just ask myself, how do I want to curate the next year? Like, what's important to me? What's are some things I have to let go of? Or you could go to MEA and just check out our online courses or come up uh, to Mexico or the U.S. to a workshop. Oh, you're doing great work, Chip. Whoever came up with that red sports car joke's got a lot to answer for. It really stuck, didn't it? It did. It's sort of sad, actually. Well, the book's called Learning to Love Midlife. 12 Reasons Why Life Gets Better with Age, and I've been talking to author Chip Conley. Thanks, Chip. Thank you, Jesse. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.